0: Welcome! This is War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games.
1: I'm Phil Cormer with Brushwork Minis. And I'm Alan Millick from White Metal Games.
0: And this is uh, War Council, a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. This is episode 34, all about magnets. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to be talking about magnets, magnetization. This is a common topic that comes up from our clients. Um, Essentially, with War Game clients, you pay a lot of money for your kits. You want to get the most out of them. And magnetization has been the solution to that for a little while now. Um, I think that people started using magnets on models maybe a decade ago and it's, it's caught on and now yeah. it's a common request from clients we have, especially mm-hmm. with bigger models where they're paying a lot for the kit. Knights are a really good example oh, of yeah, this. Oh Knights Those, are always
1: good to magnetize. Um,
0: and actually I think that most of the, some of the designers must be knowledgeable about this because the kits generally integrate pretty well, like a lot of yeah. these kits magnetize pretty easily. Of course it's not the solution for everything so we're going to get into that and talk about the pros and the cons of magnetization, is it the right solution? Uh, For you, how you do it, that sort of thing. Uh, But before we jump into that, we're going to jump into our introduction for today. Uh, So I think the first big news to talk about is um, we're going to Nova. So two weeks from now. In (laughs) fact, all three of us are going to Nova. Yep. Got that confirmed a little while ago. So um, essentially, we've talked about this a little bit on the show. Um, Nova Open, which is a big con uh, on the Mm -hmm. East Coast, probably the biggest games con. Uh, it's probably not the biggest comic related con or, or hobby necessarily, but in terms of wargaming and gaming, it's massive. Yeah. So um, uh, we um, talked to the organizers there and we're going, um, we're attending as War Council, we're attending as a podcast. Um, now, obviously, we all work at White Metal, so we will also be there as White Metal representatives, but essentially, we're going as podcasters. That's our primary goal at the event is to act as podcasters. So we'll be interviewing people. We'll have a table. It'll be directly across from Cool Mini or not. Um, on the map, we're right off the elevator. So when you get off the elevator, turn around and look for our table. We'll have some table runners out. They'll have both the icons for uh, More Council and White Metal. And if you see Cool Mini, just do a 180 and we'll be right there. Um, and what we're hoping to do at the event is talk to people, uh, introduce ourselves, just kind of meet people and um, talk about you know what their businesses are, what our business can do, Um, maybe find some ways to sort of work together. Networking. Um, Yeah, networking. That's a better way to put it. If you are at the event, um, please stop by our table, shake our hand, talk to us, let us know what you're interested in doing. We're not allowed to sell at the event because we're not vendors, but we are allowed to advertise. We will have some flyers set up that you guys can take with you. Uh, We'll have business cards out, and then you can contact us separately about projects. And we'll have some sample projects set out that you guys can see what we've done in the past.
2: And cool thing too, we actually should have a project done in time to hand off to a client directly. So hopefully, we might be able to show that off too, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, the marine project. Could we do that? Basically, just set it up on the table and just have people walking around. We can until the client comes and gets it. (laughs) Well, we can we can (laughs) talk to the client and know, "Can we please do this at least for that day?" You know.
0: I I mean, I know his. I know that he's playing in the event, but I can't imagine (laughs) Uh, he's playing with that army Mm -hmm. because that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, he might be. But essentially, what if we're like, well, something happened and we're a day late? Gotcha. You know, well, you, I think
1: we should find that out. Yeah. I think we should ask him um,
0: what's going on. If but, he's planning to play that, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, when I because he didn't even know we were going until I talked to him, okay. and I was like, because he was like, "Hey, do you have some business cards? I'm going to Nova. I'll pass right. them out." I was like, right. "Sure, I'll give them to you in person, and gotcha. you can pass them out." Or just, when right. I used to attend cons, I would put business cards by the by the table I would play yeah. at.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, but but surprisingly, everyone is there to, to win, not to buy. <laughs> uh, at least not for me. Um, so there those tournament goers there No, I they're, think that
1: would be actually cool. It's a yeah. pretty it's a pretty big size army. And it's we big. did talk about this last episode yeah. kind of highlighted that's uh, that's on the workbench. But it's the large volume, uh, large it's model huge. count army. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would look actually quite imposing on the table for the workbench on the white metal
0: table. Well, So we'll do that, and then we'll have some other stuff set up there. And um, Val's going to enter one of his pieces in the, their equivalent of might, Crystal. might be one It's a one Crystal or Brush two. qualifier. Okay. Yeah. So we'll well, thank pieces.
1: you. Thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. It is. <laughs> but should be... Um, yeah, we're thinking about doing at least, at least one. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to prep. I would really sure. like to prep a second piece. Okay. Uh, because, well... It's if, like, if time permits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if time permits. I mean, really
0: essentially, the people who gear up for these competitions, they oftentimes spend months if not the mm-hmm. whole year getting ready for this stuff not for this one individually but to qualify for bigger events so they right. use this as a stepping board to let's say crystal brush or golden yeah. demon that kind yeah. of stuff um, so there will there should be some steep competition there I'm excited to see how, how you place
3: nice. um, so I, I, I think
0: I think you're gonna do fine uh, who are you guys excited about meeting at Nova this year
1: now, I have a number of people. Yeah. I really okay. want to get who's, who's at the top of your shortlist? The top of my shortlist is going to be Roman uh, and I can't remember the second guy's name from Mumasa I really want okay. to talk to those guys. Yeah, yeah. I think Banshee's going to make an appearance. Okay. Uh, he actually just married, which is so Alfonso, congrats to you. Um, and I r- saw that he's actually going stateside. And, you know, this is, this is right close to Nova. Nova is pretty big. I think he might be making an appearance. I don't have the confirmation yet but that'll mm-hmm. be an insane thing. You, know,
0: you can look at they have a schedule online where you can look at the events. I didn't see
1: Alfonso being yeah. listed for the Nova events. So. I, don't, I
0: mean I looked at several of the artists, his name didn't pop out to me. Yeah. But you may be right, maybe it's a surprise. Maybe
1: he's maybe he won't attend as, you know, as formally. Maybe he's just the, going Maybe in he's jo- yeah. just he's gonna he's gonna yeah. go to enjoy himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that happens I'd you know, that I'd really love to talk to Branchy cool. you know. Is one of the top two, in my opinion, painters right now.
0: They're having some really cool events there, not only gaming events, but also painting seminars, yeah. like lots of classes.
1: Yeah, that and kind I'm of really stuff. looking forward to that. Very cool. So,
0: Phil, what about you? Who are you looking to? Hook um, up with well,
1: it, I'm, what I'm what
2: definitely excited. It. We mentioned earlier, Cool Main and not being across from us. Yeah, Frontline gaming is supposed to be there as well. So, are they really? People, yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely going to be there. I remember Ray's talking about. It. So, it'll be cool to actually meet them and talk to them finally. I think yeah. So, we've been working with them for a little while. So. Yeah. Um, I and did not know of course, imagine. any other artists. Um, Val's, Val's got the, uh, <laughs> the hookup with that, so I'll be meeting lots of artists through him, I hope.
0: So, so um, we will have a booth there, just as a reminder, or a table, not really a booth. So stop by, say hello. We're probably going to put together a reel of people just talking about the event. So if you had a good time at the event, just stop by and talk to us about it. We'll put together some sound bites, and then we'll probably put together a full episode just from sound bites from the event. We'll talk about our impressions, kind of like a post-Nova episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we came, we went, we noved, like, <laughs> you know that.
2: This is the first kind of big event we've done since White Metal's kind of taken off a little bit here. So.
0: Yeah, I used to do cons years ago, and the last con I went to, I got um, really sick afterwards because essentially you put a bunch of people into enclosed space, recycle the air it's not uncommon to pick up a flu or a cold after one of these kind of events and the last time it happened it shut me down for about four days like i just couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. and so it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth so i'm hoping that doesn't happen again um but essentially with conventions with that many people crammed into a hall it's not uncommon Mm -hmm. um that doesn't go to say that like i'm not excited i am excited Mm I'm also a little nervous because I don't want to get sick again. <laughs> <Just take classes laughs> um, again but essentially, I would go to those conventions, and you do meet some interesting people. At the last one, I met um, one of the guys from War Games Factory, and we did it. We were doing some some business for a few for a year or so. Um, and sometimes those deals are great And they work out really well And sometimes you meet new clients and it's great But essentially you never know um, mm-hmm. But um, I'm excited to give this another try And yeah. see if it's the right fit for us If
1: so, we'll do more of these mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, War Games Factory are going to be there Because I know those guys See, I think they got bought the,
0: out I feel like they got bought out by a rem- company Maybe Spartan Scenics or something or...
1: Some, I remember uh, hearing something like that on yeah. the internet Now when I actually talked to the director The owner of it yeah. uh, He didn't He kind of didn't really explain it. They had yeah. some kind of an internal split. I just I'm know if you go to no their website to right now you can't buy
0: product because you they can, you, Yeah, because it said they're, like we've been we've been partnered or something with another company and then there's a link to what, them and
1: Yeah, what they're actually doing is they're concentrating more on manufacturing for larger companies right now. They're but they're around, you know. They're still in business. Yeah, th- thank God. They have but. some really cool kits. But one of the one of the
0: frustrating things for me is some of their, their best kits. They have this one kit called the Skeleton Key Warriors kit, for example. Mm. It has like thirty skeletons, and they're as opposed like I guess compared to like the GW skeletons, they're really good. Like yeah. not that the GW skeletons are bad, but essentially that kit went out of production. Like mm. they don't make it anymore. And uh, some of their best kits, like they're just hard to get a hold of. These things, yeah. like um, what's another one they did? Um, the Greatcoats. I think they manufactured those. Um, I've never seen those. They're they're basically kind of like a sort of like a Creek knockoff. Okay, um, but they're not bad, and they're yeah. a cheaper kit. Um, and in fact, for the Creek project, which we're going to talk about later, we considered those as an option. But because they're only there's literally two on eBay. One guy yeah. in the UK owns two, and um, the client wanted to go with True Creek, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Um, but essentially, we didn't we didn't go that route. Um, but they're they were really cool. So essentially, I'd love to see
1: more of these kits being produced. Yeah. Um, well, again, having a little bit the. Uh I know, I know the guys. I don't. They're more, they're changing their business model. They're more into production. Sure. But, so I'm not sure what's going on with it, their it's, particular. It's body. interesting. The higher. It would be awesome if they were there. That'd be awesome.
2: Yeah, I would love to see them. I'd love to meet them. Yeah. Um, Speaking of knockoffs, I just uh, so yesterday for anybody who's interested in our followers, like toughest girls in the galaxy, their yeah. newest Kickstarter, the one that was last March or last February just released all their minis so for like new sisters like or knockoff sisters they look fantastic i just got my email yesterday that my stuff's being shipped
0: now the company that makes those the toughest girl in the galaxy that's their line, raging heroes raging heroes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and they make some really dynamic stuff and a lot of their stuff is like i mean a lot of it's feminine feminine
2: it's all yeah yeah it's like
0: you know like they have dark elder and that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. but they also have some good i feel like they've got some normal masculine stuff too Not to say, what I mean is they have very good product Mm -hmm. and a whole, they have a variety of it, not just Toughest Girls in the Galaxy. Um, But we were talking about that earlier because um, essentially like there's not a good sisters range right now. Now Val has suggested maybe, possibly Mm -hmm. down the road somewhere, we've heard rumors (laughs) that there could be a, a resurgence of sisters. But we hear rumors like this all the time. Right. Yeah. Those rumors come and go like the tide. I can't tell you he how long been it. Cooks, right. All just up next uh, <laughs> like we've heard that like there's going to be like a special uh, zinch. Uh, yeah. We heard about zinch a kugoth demon. kit. We yeah. heard about a zinch demon kit, and essentially those things get iced. We never know why. Um, so we take it with a grain of salt. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in our, in our section later on. We're going to chat about group projects. Oh, actually, we're going to talk about it in this segment. I think. Uh, we are. Uh, well, why don't we use that as a launch end? Yep. Um, So um, essentially, uh, we've had good success with our specials in the past. Um, our most successful specials to date have been things like our volume discount, which is essentially rewarding you for booking big, pro- big projects. Um, we've got um, one new special to talk to you guys about today, and this one's a little bit different. So uh, we're calling it a group project because the general idea is um, uh, it, you qualify for bigger discounts at higher volumes. So essentially, yes. let's say you book a $2,000 project. Well, we're going to give you a substantial discount on that project, like at least 8% off your labor, not your materials. Um, Materials are are handled differently. So uh, to put that in context, with $2,000 at 8% off, you're going to save something like, I don't know, like $140-some-odd. dollars. That's great. Now, not every client can afford a $2,000 project. So here's the general notion of what a group project is. We will talk about a project that we want to do. And we are trying to get people to sign up for it in sort of a pre-release-like structure. So let's say, for example, we wanted to do a Death Watch Army. If we don't have one client lined up, but we have 20 clients that want to do a single model or unit, then what we do is we book you all at the same time, uh, and we can give you guys all the same discount, essentially based on how many people sign up. So let's say if we're going to announce a Death Watch project, which we are, uh, we will have a sign-up page, like on a blog, and you guys can comment to sign up or something like that. Uh, We'll create some links in the show notes. But if you're interested in it, then basically what we'll do is we'll start to take sign-ups for it, and you can tell us what you want in that project range. Once we get enough people booked, we'll do individual quotes. Once we get enough people booked, we can book the whole project. Then we take all those deposits, and essentially we do the project all at one time. So that way we can showcase the army together as one project, but then the models will be individually sent out to all the individual clients.
1: That's a great way to save, uh, you know, to save to save on your individual. Let's say you want just two squads. Right. a Great way. When we have 20, ten people, uh, you know, lined up for the whole thing, right. you're getting that uh, percentage off right there. Right.
0: Yeah. Or if you want to just add like, uh, if you want to ally. You want to just add, like, hey, I really want to add some space marine bikers from the Death Watch thing. Or Mm -hmm. I want a tax squad and I want a rhino and one inquisitor. Like, perfect. Like, book that with us through the group project. Um, It's it's an open-ended time period. We're essentially going to set up parameters. The parameters will probably be something like a minimum of $2,000. And we'll create a a sign-up sheet. Your personal information won't be on there. We'll just say like client A, client B, and essentially we'll put the manifesto of what they're ordering and how much the budget is. And once we hit our number, we'll book the project. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the something we uh, actually not sure how we're gonna play because we do offer different painting levels. Sure. Uh, I think we might limit it to you know a small range, let's say between a gold and an electrum, mm-hmm. to stay with that because you can't really book. Uh, lower quality painting project with a higher painting project. I think you're you right. Know, you know, within the same time parameters. It's just there's um, an aesthetic like that. quality too. You yeah. want the overall the goal here is for us is to build
0: portfolio and also showcase what we can do. The goal for the clients is to get their models at a discount. Yeah. So what we would ask for in that regard is like there will be minimum requirements. So on this project for example, we may suggest with the Death Watch Group project, Electrum is your minimum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for characters, we recommend gold. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. So essentially, we don't have a bunch of like silver-level Death Watch wood guys mixed in with gold-level. Level. Yeah, exactly. Because so. that would just be a weird aesthetic. I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, um, typically,
2: we do send weekly
0: updates. I'm assuming
2: we wouldn't with this program? I don't know. I think what we'd probably send is a group update. Okay. So let's
0: say we, let's say we take, start taking orders for this in the next couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. let's say we try to set this project up for the holidays. Mm-hmm. So during our slower period of the year we're offering this deal. So let's suppose we get enough projects lined up by the end of October. What we might do is just set up a group email where we'll just Mm -hmm. inform like all of the clients without giving away their information, hey guys, here's here's the project log, here's where we are this week, here's what we did. But just like we set up a normal project for those of you that haven't commissioned models with us in the past, essentially once your project comes into what we call commencement, which is where we actually start your project. Uh, we send you weekly updates. Now, in this case, those updates couldn't be individualized. No. If there's 20, it would be way too much work. But what we can do is we can do a big update for all of those clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that would be can, actually cool, too, because mm-hmm. then you get
2: a chance to see your, ar- your characters in a large army.
0: I agree. So, um, cool. so um, to extend on that, because the Death Watch, they are having kits come out, um, but there are some other box set options, including um, the, the Death Watch, uh, what was the first box set called? Kill Team cast. Kill Team Well, not Kill well, Team cast. Overkill. 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 Death Watch Overkill. overkill. And now there's and a new one, overkill. Death Mask. Yeah. Um, so essentially, exciting, like, right? I want to open up the, the ground to those two. So the group project will actually be a combination of Death Watch and Xenos. So we'll create three factions. We'll have Harlequins, Star, Cult, and Death Watch. So essentially we'll have those group projects going on at the same time. So this is just kind of more of an announcement. We'll be working out the details on that project very soon. But if you've been interested in doing a project with us and your price point was, you wanted to get the discount but you couldn't meet the price point, this is your opportunity to do so. So just follow the the show notes when we we post them to the group project blog. Uh, We'll start taking signups and we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, it's Um, going to be exciting.
0: Now that's not the only special we have right now. We're still doing our radio silence special. Uh, essentially the way this works is that you get electrum level models for silver level prices with the KV that we get to pick your color scheme and there's no updates so if you want to do let's say a space marine project vanilla and by vanilla i mean a vanilla chapter we'll pick your chapter you won't get to pick it you can come up with all the other stuff the army composition what units you want uh, but essentially we 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 don't talk to you during the commission period we do uh, pick your color scheme and we will, under certain conditions, give you approval of the color scheme. Yeah. So that way you know that you're paying for something that you're going to be satisfied with.
1: So you're giving us complete artistic license, mm-hmm. you pick the roster, right. and you just let us have at it. Yeah, you trade autonomy and artistic license for cost. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's that's the beauty of that project. Um, so we are still taking sign-ups for that if you guys are interested in that. We had one guy kind of interested, but then he went with a more traditional project, which is great. I'm glad that he, he signed up with us. Um, but essentially that means there's more slots available. We're going to take up to three. So if clients would like to book that project, you can find links to it on our slider bar, which is on our homepage. So just leave through the slider bar until you see the Radio Silence special icon, uh, which is a nice real 80s-style icon on the slider bar. <laughs> nice. uh, and uh, just follow through there. Uh, all right, before we move on completely from introduction, just a quick update. Uh, we are still planning to do the Red Scorpion's Chariot Raffle Army. As I mentioned on the show last time, uh, Matt got bronchitis, and so because of that, Matt with Titan Train Studio, because of that, he was unable to... Get the test model up and running. We are um, hoping in the next couple weeks to get that going, so keep with us, stick with us on it. Uh, We are looking forward to that project in the near future. Unfortunately, life happens, people get sick, and when that happens, essentially he got behind on projects, now he's catching up on projects. So he has to take care of his paying clients before he takes care of a charity project. Um, but so, we're still very much interested so it's
1: getting pushed back right
0: right okay. yeah essentially it just got delayed yeah um, just like putting off uh, a car repair in lieu of like a, a AC repair in the summer yeah. you know you have to sort of pick your priorities um, <laughs> so essentially he picked his paying clients versus a charity project yeah. which I agree with um, but look for more updates for that in the future um, and we'll be uh, we'll be talking about that more on future shows Uh, Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this word from Frontline Gaming. Hey guys, PD Pop here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? Do you have to lug around a bulky Roma Battle Table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Tablework Fat Mat series. Our Fat Mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a fat mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. We're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. This segment of the show is sponsored by Frontline Gaming. FrontlineGaming.org, your source for fat mats, ITC terrain, uh, also tournament organization, and uh, really they answer a lot of questions. If you're a, a con organizer or a tournament organizer... Um, they've been pretty good about um, responding to that and giving feedback to that. Essentially, they're kind of tournament builders, basically. They're kind right. of like the grandfathers of that. And, yeah. Um, they're a resource they there. The reins after yeah.
2: basically dropped the ball. Yeah. So. Now,
0: I have heard that GW is picking up the reins again, mm-hmm. or they're trying to. I think they're starting more GTs. They're coming back or yeah, I think that's, yeah, I saw yeah. some announcement about um, Age of Sigmar GTs coming back. and
2: They just yeah. had the big summer of something, summer of war or something, mm-hmm. I don't know, with Age of Sigmar. So, yeah. apparently, that was... Somewhat successful, Okay, I heard.
0: So. Cool. Nice. Um, but that being said, um, when uh, GW dropped the ball, um, I, you know, they picked the front line, picked it up, and rolling with it, and they've had great success ever since. So mm-hmm. check them out, frontlinegaming.org, frontlinegaming.org, uh, and let them know White Metal sent you. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on to painting stuff. Um, Philip, what are you painting on right now?
2: Lots of projects. Okay. <laughs> this This month has been like a slew of just... A lot of small. It's projects. been a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy. So, um, I guess I just finished another one of those female archers. Uh, this is my dark sword miniatures. Ago. Yeah. Very popular mini. Yeah, so far it's the second one we've done. in About I guess a month and a half now. Yeah. So, um, and I also got another Harwin, which is the third one we've had. She's by like, Reaper. She's a female <laughs> yeah. bard or a half mm-hmm. elven
0: bard. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's like it was. Been, it's been a lot of small RPG figures. There's been some ones from Hero Forge, which. Mm-hmm. Was unique, so I don't know if you guys talked about this last time, but we've gotten Hero Forge figures in the past. Mm-hmm. They were lower quality. They kind of had a sandpapery texture to the, the material. Material, like yeah. A, yeah. So, but these were their highest quality. They're um, they're better. They still have sort of a. Uh, can see the layers, how they build up layers yeah. on top of it it, so. it.
0: it feels like on flesh areas, it really shows. It does. It's, it's
2: pixelated almost; mm-hmm. like it looks like teeny tiny blocks. Yeah. So with, I guess with three D printers, they use something called microbes, right? It's, um, Micron is micro, uh,
1: referred it. to a measure, measurement unit right. for you know it's going beyond your millimeters or right. fractions. It's basically a fraction of a millimeter, so it's very small measurement unit. Yeah. And yeah. They usually three D printers will uh, print in those layers and in increments, and that's how you actually can tell the quality of the three uh, D printer. The smaller the micron count, the finer those layers are going to be. The less going to just see like just separation. like with an
0: HD photo, the yeah, more exactly, pixels in exactly, a photo, exactly, the harder exactly. it is to differentiate yeah. that kind of thing. So. What uh, did you learn any lessons from painting these figures? Because essentially, yeah. the client wanted a gold level finish, mm-hmm. which I feel like you absolutely achieved. But you couldn't do all of your traditional techniques on that surface. Like we yeah. couldn't. You can't really wash. You can't it, wash example. things at
2: all. No. Um, yeah. Metallics are tricky. We had to do a lot of sort of non-metallic approach to yeah. it. Um, which at a gold level, you start to see, but it's hard to. Really it's hard to justify anything. in the price point. Yeah. yeah, and so that was a bit tricky. It's been. Take, it took quite a bit of time to try and work that out. Um, and they're very brittle. So because yeah. they're in layers, you have to be extremely careful. Um, I, they're on. They're. Uh, I guess built on a base. Yeah. And or printed on a print right. so the base. Yeah. And so I applied a little too much pressure and it just broke. Yeah. Um, and then I tried to fix that by you know, cutting or basically breaking off the rest of the base and just re gluing it to a different base. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a layer build, it, the fractures will break through and, and like So it's not like a cast and,
0: model where it's all one piece of, of material. Right. It's more like, uh, would I be wrong in saying it's like. Thousands and thousands of little pieces of material. Yeah, pretty much. So
2: the trick I learned was, if you want to remove it from the base, use a hobby saw and Mm -hmm. just gently go along the bottom of the feet, Mm -hmm. and it will. Because it's it's like a really fine saw, like yeah. But because it's built up in layers, it kind of just follows that uh, path. Of the plastic. So that's that's smart. So don't clip it. Don't clip it. Yeah. Don't use a razor knife. It took me five times before I realized that trick. But now I know. Learn from our mistake. (laughs) Uh, well, fortunately, they gave you some practice rebasing. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Certainly. Uh, what else are you working on?
2: Uh, so we got Stormcast. Uh, there's a 13 man unit uh, which is a tack on from the huge Stormcast project we did back in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so that guy's got about 6,000 points in Stormcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he emailed us to say that he's rocking it. Yeah. So apparently, over in over in Denmark, he's just dominating the competition. <laughs> it's, so.
2: Yeah, it's pretty funny. But um, so that. That's uh, that's pretty much it. I think the Inquisition part two. Yeah, that's the other thing. So this now
0: this is a pre heresy Inquisition mm-hmm. project, but we're using a different range of models, mm-hmm. and um, some of them are kitbashed Essentially, yeah. This
2: newest one was sort of they had crusaders and assassins, which I guess fit maybe some previous GW models. Well, crusaders
0: point. are basically crusaders are the Inquisitors have all their different. Acolytes, mm-hmm. Crusaders are a type of acolyte, okay. and oftentimes they are represented by Arbites, which is an adeptus Arbite, which is sort of like okay. a space cop. So yeah, he essentially like, asked like you to movies, make, yeah. yeah. So he essentially asked you to make four adeptus Arbites mm-hmm. yeah. as his Crusaders,
2: which look great. Yeah, they way. turned out really well. I like yeah. the uh, so that was more of like a cut and paste, like I was copying from a yeah. template basically. But with the assassins, that was pretty much completely right. custom. So. They turned out really well. I think yeah. the client was very happy with them. And-
0: so that was a kit bash between cut... Kits from like the Skatari kit, Skitari. Cultists, what else yeah. was in there?
2: Uh, so Skatari, Cultists, uh, Scions, and some Dark Eldar. Yeah, so, so just a
0: huge, just a nice mix of ranges to come up with a really unique looking figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's using these as Death Cult Assassins.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and one nice thing I thought was a really smart choice on your part was that you unified the figures by giving them all similarities. For example, they all wear these rebreathers from the Sicorin kits. Oh, no, the Sackrunch kit. Sorry, the, uh, I got uh, sickerins on my the, mind. Um, the rust, the um, the, rangers, kits. the yeah, rangers. the rangers, uh, which gives them kind of a uniform look, mm-hmm. so they all blend. At least just you can easily aesthetic to a little yeah. bit. Translates yeah. So essentially, of on the wars. battlefield, when you do kit bash figures, oftentimes you hear the complaint like, "Well, how do I know what that is?" Right. Yeah. Like here's a simple. Well, they all have rebreathers, and yeah. they all have OSL on their power swords. And they so all so have just... these
2: uh, rust stalker swords. Right. Those like thin transonic blades. Right. Which, I think are sick. They're awesome looking blades. Very cool. So.
0: So, how do you feel about balancing multiple projects versus one big project?
2: It's it's doable. Um, it takes a lot to try and figure it out, like yeah. what process you want. Unfortunately, because it's so many small kits, a lot of the color schemes don't match, so right. you lose a lot of time between paint palettes. Yeah. Um, so efficiency goes down, um, but at the same time, you're not doing the same mundane task. That's true. <laughs>
0: so it's a trade. So
2: it's yeah. So there's yeah, some, yeah it's a trade-off.
1: Um, Val, what are you working on? I will. Just uh, finished the finally the vampire counts and the uh, Talvorless. So. Yeah, you finished two big projects this month. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got burned out on the vampire counts. Yeah. Um, I that absolutely, was awesome. <laughs> I absolutely loved working on the Common Throne. I mean, those vampire miniatures—they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know? exactly. Just, I tried had to try to pull myself back on you know how much work they're I wanted incredibly to- detailed. Oh like their God, dresses are
0: just really rich oh and they have a lot of deep down just the
1: way the miniatures are tooled the cer the yeah, precision yeah. of those details yeah it, you know that if you guys any of you guys are thinking of doing like a competition piece you know pushing yourself to a higher painting level i would definitely recommend that kid there's just so much that can go in there you can go and exploring textures different material types uh you know Lighting effects! Oh my goodness! It just—it was a joy. It so was you like them? Yeah. The common yeah, I love. I think I caught
2: Val, uh, stroking a miniature. No. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't was love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: the blood Knights. not fun to ship though. Mm-mm. Like How? oh yeah, you, challenging, you did the packaging challenging to package. I, yeah, 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 and I actually went a sneaky route uh, there. I did not want to deal with that. it was, a, it was a combination you know, of.
0: Um, I, I first put it. In, I first off, I put it in a box like three times the size it needed to be. Uh, And then it was down in foam to hold it in place, surrounded in a layer of cotton balls, which was reinforced by a layer of foam, which then was like more cotton balls. So after then it was completely encapsulated in cotton and foam, then I started to layer harder materials like uh, Like uh, peanuts peanuts and stuff. Um, So it should be pretty well protected. But, oh, I man, that thing is like a hedgehog going into that box. I, it's, it's like yeah, just it's all awesome... I, yeah. I want to know how clients store them when they
1: travel. Like, when you put them in a case, there's no case that could support that miniature. In like... I wouldn't agree there is, but mm. it's going to cost a lot. I mean, there's a, there's a company that makes specifically... Well, some b- well, could probably do something. No, 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 better. actually not. There's, um, there's a company that makes uh, aluminum cases... Uh, which is a big compartment, a hard shell compartment. You can secure the base, but then again, you're not putting any kind of material around. Now you're talking about off.
0: the case that you slide the trays into that's yeah. magnetized. Yeah, that's yeah, a good, that's exactly. a good idea. But
1: you know, that's one model per case yeah. because of the, all those thin things. Well, they have
0: um, they have multiple because we sold one of those cases on consignment yeah. about a year ago, and it is a great case for that. Yeah. I agree. That's a, yeah.
1: that's probably the best. Solution. But that's more of a professional kind of. It area. is, and the cases option. aren't cheap, unfortunately. No, they're not. They are, yeah. uh, but. Uh, the Blood Knights. I do like the design. I do like the kind of the old school feel. Finecast was a horror to work with. It still yeah. it still struggles. They it's, haven't quite overcome Finecast. I'm games. not sure well, why they're, they're still doing it. To yeah. tell you the truth, I yeah. mean their plastics are. So I heard it was going right to be an now.
0: intervening medium. I heard that there was going to be another. That's resin, really right? They're going to go switch to Forge World resin not, or something. I have not heard of. That. That's what I, I hope not. I mean, I hope, I Our plastics not. are
2: so good; they're getting Alarial, the Everqueen, like uh, that's very detailed. And yeah, they don't need to go to yeah. resin for that. So,
0: well, maybe I think what I meant by that was on the kits, because essentially every time you make a new kit, it costs a, a, a ton, like R and D, and then actually making the vacuum form molds for it's like twenty grand or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, from a business standpoint, from it's probably cheaper to change out the casting medium than to create a whole new kit well that's the um, thing
1: for a smaller company or like medium level company mm-hmm. uh yes it is a huge price point gw sure. is a mogul oh, i agree i mean i don't see the problem with that even maybe it
0: has to do more with spacing out th- their sales so they don't like blow their maybe, load all at one time
1: maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is but i remember when the Finecast was just introduced it was being marketed as this you know the wonder bread of the miniature mm-hmm. uh development and after I never hear that expression the wonderbird anymore. <laughs> That's a great expression. But we are bringing that back <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> but um after you know after this hit a, a huge amount of people had started to have problems and I see what kind of this was this was my first uh, this is my first experience dealing with fine cast. Sure. and I agree with all the rage that has, you know, hit the fine cast one, if that got introduced, I absolutely agree yeah, with yeah. it, it's brittle, it's a pain in the butt, and the biggest problem that I found was, they just used the rubber molds for the metals, for the resin, mm-hmm. for those resins. Um, they did a lot of these little weird braces to smaller detail that is not necessary for resin casting. It's a, it was a nightmare. I did not like working on those and they're brittle. I mean just apply a little bit of more pressure and the thing just pops off. I well did not enjoy I guess that. to play
0: the devil's advocate though, if, if one of those two were to fall off the table, pewter versus fine cast, the fine cast would not break as hard. Um, like it wouldn't shatter because I've I've learned from experience right. Pewter just does not mm-hmm. Pewter and Gravity just do not mix. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> so. Fine cast at least can survive a fall. Now, yeah. don't drop it off the table. Of course, yeah. But we if you have to, if it's details. going to happen, uh,
1: you know. Yeah. Um there was one weird model, actually two models, because we did ten of the Blood Knights. Mm-hmm. Um the, the way the horse was positioned had only two connecting points to the base. And since we're doing uh, at least I did a uh, custom base with cork on that. I had to kind of cut off the uh, those feeds that slide into the mm-hmm. uh, slot base, and I have to pin them. Oh my goodness, that was yeah, that was something. I could yeah. see that. So from a hobbying point standpoint, it was annoying painting. Yeah, they're you know they're fun models to paint.
0: Yeah, but and they're you know they're so one of those kits that we don't get a lot of opportunities to do them because the kit right. is so expensive. Yeah. So any opportunity we get, this was really a treat. Yeah. From a from a hobby was, standpoint, from a portfolio standpoint. Yeah. This is awesome, yeah. Because uh, those were, those were a bunch of models we didn't have before. Now we can showcase samples. So yeah, it was and great. the
1: client went with a couple of freehand banners. Yeah. and you so that was a kick.
0: And he was thrilled. He he just he could yeah. not speak highly enough about the, the projects. Yeah, he oh, grinning good. like a kid. Good. Yeah, he was very excited.
1: Great, so. great. So, um, yeah, but that kind of did burn me out. Now, right now, we have on the workbench a large Space Marine army. Yeah, and this is about for the same three thousand points, give or take. Three thousand, I think so. Yeah, and the funny thing, this is for the same client that did uh, the black and the red hex tile. Towel. Hex towel, yeah. yeah. It's kind of he kind of asked for the same color scheme. I was kind uh, of don't do that again, why not? but it's actually going to be. I well, th- it's not the be a hex pattern, product. but the red no, no, no. and the black. No, no, yeah. The, the right. but clearly, color, this client color, loves red. Scheme. and black. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, that's going to be a huge diver- uh it's going to be completely separate from the uh, vampire projects, so that should be good. So, that essentially, you good. did the two high level
0: projects, the Taunar Vorolicept. Yeah. Not Taunar. The Tau Vorolicept and the Vampire Counts, and then you wheeled over to a tabletop level project. Yeah, How yes. did you find the transition going from high level detail work to essentially like tabletop? The high
1: work? volume. Uh, yeah. I actually did find it
0: quite easy. Yeah. yeah Do you have it's a it's preference one
1: over the other? Like no. high level detailed? No. No, just no, I did yeah? not. I okay. did not. Um, like I said, I'm still hyped about the Vampire Counts like, coming through. Good, good, good. So, but um, that's one thing. Then we had an order for uh, Demon Prince, which conversion you did, mm-hmm. which we did way back. Um, so this is a Nightlord's themed Demon Prince. Yeah. So he's a. Yeah. So
0: what happens is we build a model, and if we build it well and it's popular, we have to do it again. Yeah. Um, and in this case, normally what I try to do is I have to limit. The bits I use Because Mm -hmm. essentially In this case So you can replicate it So you can replicate it Yeah exactly Um, And in most cases That's doable But in some cases It's not Because your bit spin Is if anything else A unique assortment Of stuff that's left over Right Sometimes you only have One of something Uh, Now in this case It's not the case We could build these guys To wear blue in the face Um because there's just plenty of these parts out there. Nice. Like, there's plenty of Balrog wings on the market, there's plenty of, like, mm-hmm.
1: demon... Is that what you use for the wing? Yeah, yeah, from the so, Balrog kit. But, we, but you used only one, uh, you use only the left wing? Uh, yeah, because, so. the, because the sword on the Demon Prince kit is
0: held in the right hand. Right. So it's it's inverted from... The, the Vampire Counts model that I was emulating
1: is the other way. Yeah. The sword's yeah. in the left hand. But you, then it means you have a bunch of right wings. Two <laughs> right now. Now you have two. Two wings, right, so right now. Guys, if yeah. you want a uh, Nightlord, uh, Demon Prince, you know, we got two right yeah. wings. We can yeah. have, uh, we can do We that. just
0: have to switch the sword over to the other hand. Yeah, or we could do something part. different. We could put like the open hand with like, I don't know, magic. Yeah, it, that, fire. That's not a
1: problem. Yeah. So that's the next thing uh, on the list. Um, let see, there was something, there was something else. There's just a multitude of projects. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Retribution Sire of uh, Sireth, uh mm-hmm. is also uh, doing the uh, Mage, Mage Hunters. A mm-hmm. uh, ton of those guys, so they're on the workbench. So, so we're
0: getting more, more, and more War Machine clients. In fact, yeah. we had four War Machine clients this month. In addition to the Retribution of Syra, yeah. we have one guy with the Circle Ouroboros project. We have two starter factions coming in, okay. uh, and we also have um, a guy who's doing a privateer press. Um, he wants to swap out Lord Stryker, who's the Signor, one of the Sigmar casters, yeah. from the horse model with the walking model. He likes the ho- he likes the the model on the horse, but he doesn't like the horse so essentially we're yeah, gonna it's gonna be fun it's gonna be interesting yeah, yeah. Um, but it's the really nice thing is the kind of conversion it style. is for sure I love so, it so I, was, nice. I was like way, way I was like yeah. I will absolutely do that yeah. uh, but um, essentially at the end of the day um, we're getting more and more of these private tier press clients which is great uh, because we've done, you know, we've done plenty of 40K stuff over the years, mm-hmm. plenty of Warhammer yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited to explore new ranges. Right. Um,
1: I would love to do the Colossal, the Signar Colossus. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, they yeah. such a beautiful kit. It is a cool model. Yeah. yeah. So. so if
0: you guys are interested in it, we are doing, we have plenty more samples in our, our gallery, in our Flickr gallery now. Which we'll talk about a little bit more in our service spotlight. Um, but you should be able to easily find samples of our work there. So if you are a Privacy Press client and you're looking for some samples, we will send you a link so you can directly find it. Um, well, I'm gonna just quickly whiz through what I've been working on. Um, so I've got a Tau army that's wrapping up. It's a green and white pattern army with some neon green, which is fun. I never get to work with neon green as a color. Um, I've got a Blood uh, Blood Knights army, uh, which is essentially Guardians of the Covenant, but with Blood Angels themes. So we use mm-hmm. used Blood Angels models for a traditionally Dark Angels army. So it's a fun kit bash, mm-hmm. um, and he actually uses some Black Templar bits in it as well. So it's kind of a fun, just a mix of of, of stuff.
1: Um, yeah. It what, was what he decided to use for the insignia for the chapter insignia. Itself. It's
0: like a black Templar insignia, essentially. Okay, so it's an iron cross. Yeah, okay. exactly. Now, what was fun about that was I found some spare bits from a fantasy range that were giant iron crosses. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I got them from, but now both of his land raiders, I had enough to adorn both sides and panels. That's awesome. So I really went for broke and just really dug into bits for this thing, yeah. and it feels like. It feels like knights in space. Essentially, there's big banners coming off their dreadnoughts. These big iron crosses kind of kick you back to a medieval theme. That's yeah, cool. yeah, it's right. it's a fun looking army. So I'm excited about that. Now also, that, that,
1: guy, that guy has a lot of the older tanks, like the original Rogue Trader. Yeah, yeah, he's oh, got a lot
0: of the old stuff. So awesome. he's this is a truest. He's like he's been buying product up over the years. There, these are these are not the recast Forge World versions. Mm-hmm. These are the originals. The originals. So, so some old stuff. The old Vindicator's are actually pretty cool. Yeah, um, I actually really like the cannons on the old vindicators. They're so like
1: it's, it's a, actually a gem to work with. That's yeah.
0: Awesome. It's a good project. I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, so that will be finishing up the next week or two. Um, in addition to that we've got a couple fun projects coming up. We just finished up a Sicker and Venor, Venor, Venator for a Space Wolf client. So you can see that in our Flickr gallery. Um, we have a looted Arachnirach that's hitting our bench this week plus a Townar Supremacy Armor that's hitting our bench this week that the client wants to do it in a Devastator theme from Transformers. So essentially it's going to be a big neon green Townar model with um, uh, purple. So it'll nice. have a Decepticon logo on it. So a lot of fun. Um, and uh, in addition to that, we've got more Tyrannids coming in that we're magnetizing, um, which is great because we're going to talk about magnetizing later, yeah. and we'll talk about how that kind of worked out. Uh, John's also working on a couple of uh, – Jonathan, our kind of our intern sort of slash part-time commission artist slash part-time assistant slash – Everything. Uh, he's working on some cartoon characters. He's working on a Mr. Pickles conversion for one client. What's which, Mr. Pickles? Yeah, so he's kind of like an evil lassie. Is the best way to evil describe lassie. him. Evil yeah. lassie. Yeah. It's a um, cartoon
2: now. It's an Adult
1: Swim thing.
0: So essentially, he's like a mascot for this guy's army. Okay. Uh, so it's like <laughs> evil the, lassie. Goodness, yeah. That's, it's that's it's to Think about.
1: Just let that sink in for me. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and he's also, uh, another client requested a Razor Don, which is a Seraphon project, a Lizardman project. Mm-hmm. But he wanted it to look like one of the characters from um, How to Train Your Dragon. I forget what he's called, like Stormwing or some shit mm-hmm. like that. Spike. The black one? The black no, or... not the regular one. The, um, he's a spiky guy with a bunch of different colors. He's Astrid's mouth, okay. whichever one that is. Yeah, um, she's yeah, like sure. the Viking chick. And we're doing an Astrid mascot to go along with it. Um, so these are kind of fun, and I think that he, uh, Jonathan, kind of likes those kind of projects. It's mm-hmm. um, awesome. So awesome. He's also I'm going to let him repaint a couple of these. Um, what are these things called? Or these video game characters? He was I don't know, amiibos. Uh, we ordered a couple of amiibos to have him repaint. We're going to see if that's a mm. test market. See if people like that or not. So, uh, okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump back into with a service spotlight, and we'll be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our service spotlight for the night. Uh, Previously, this has been our rotating segment, but um, what we've found is um, it's nice to kind of remind you guys about all the different services we offer. So, um, tonight we're going to talk about our, our galleries. Now, this is not so much a service as um, accessibility. Um, previously, you could access... When you clicked gallery on the White Metal Game page, you would just get our Flickr gallery, which has almost 10,000 photos now. Nice. Um, making it... making it. Um, we're not... Uh, we've just eclipsed... Um, uh, very few studios have 10,000 photos up there. Uh, and that compromises hundreds and hundreds of projects. Yeah. Um, some studios have more... Um, who shall remain nameless? But essentially, you have 10,000 different samples of our work up there. So, plenty to choose from, plenty to look at. Now, in the past, if you clicked on gallery, it would take you directly to the Flickr gallery. Now, if you go to the home page and you click on gallery, there's a drop down, and it will show you directly to our bronze sample gallery, silver, electrum, platinum, diamond, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, you can directly see samples from the home page. Uh, in addition to that, you can still get to the Flickr gallery. So, if you want to see the, the bulk of the projects, so all 10,000 photos, you just go to the Flickr gallery. If you want to see individual level samples, you click on the individual galleries. You can also access this from the painting page directly. If you go to the painting page and you go down under levels, it'll showcase the different levels, how we describe them, and it'll give you direct links to those galleries. In addition, to help you navigate, within the gallery you can search for keywords. So, for example, if um, every project that um, Philip has ever done uh, is tagged with his name. So if you like a project and you look at the artist's tag, then you can click on Philip's name and it'll take you to every project he's done. It'll also take you, if you look up, let's say, um, Space Marines, it'll take you to every Space Marine project we've tagged, et cetera, et cetera. And there's about... I don't know maybe 30 or 40 tags we use on a regular basis so you can't drill down to let's say blue eyes yeah. but you could drill down to say fantasy figures or electron level models or um imperial knights or anything that i've created as a sample tag you can you can drill into um so it allows you to better navigate our galleries and to help you sort of you know articulate what you want a project to look like so if you find something and you're like i love this duplicate this perfect you can find the project you can literally flag it you can send us the link directly And it just helps to clear things up, I think.
1: Great reference point.
0: Um, So plenty there. We will be updating our galleries on a continual basis. Our Flickr gallery is always updated. I lag a little bit behind on the white metal galleries, uh, only because um, we're so busy right now that it's been a little hard time time to update them. But there's still plenty of gallery samples up there, hundreds if not a thousand different photos in the regular gallery, plus Flickr for even more samples, so lots to look at. Um, So just as a reminder, homepage galleries and then just go nuts just go to any gallery you like Uh, okay we're going to take a quick break that was a very brief segment and we're going to jump right back in with our main topic tonight our tip on technique for magnetization and uh, we'll be right back after this need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare white metal games is now offering trade-ins send us pictures of your old models bits boxes even new kits make us an offer we can't refuse don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into tips on technique and we're going to talk about magnetization tonight. Um, and uh, essentially, uh, what we're trying to sort of do for you this evening is answer your questions, give you some general feedback about what we've learned from magnetizing. Lots of people dabble in magnets. It's, it's not an uncommon thing for a hobbyist to have tried it. But a lot of times at hobby stores, you'll see like a dreadnought with like a magnet four sizes too big, <laughs> stuck on. There's a giant <laughs> gap between his arm and the shoulder. Yeah. It, it just doesn't look great. Uh, so we've had a lot of trial and error with this over the years, and we want to share some of those tips with you tonight. Um, so um, I guess, like, just first off, let's just just get a little general feel. Uh, what do you guys think about magnetizing projects? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it helpful? Is it, like, you know.
2: I love it. I think it looks yeah? professional when you have a well-done magnetized army. You have the different options. It's, sure. It, it just looks cool to have all of that. It increases viability for sure. Yeah. yeah, like
0: especially with these big armies with lots of different. You spend a lot of money on your model. Mm-hmm. If you want to spend a few dollars more, you have more viability more, out of the product. More
1: options mm-hmm. right yeah. You And get more out of your kids doing exactly. that. And actually, a lot of people has have started doing that. I remember there a time when that just started, you know, as being a thing. Right. I say like seven, maybe ish, within the de- within the past decade, and you see more and more. Um, hobbyists started to employ that. I mean, there were a couple of guys that just kind of pioneered the aspect. I mean, uh, the idea there was a, like one guy on Bolter and Chainsword who mag- fully magnetized the Rhino chassis. So, using one chassis, he did all the options available. So, like the Whirlwind, the Razorback, everything, everything. Predator, Vindicator, everything just utilizing one chassis. and it was fun to look at. Now,
0: you can't get all those bits in that one kit. No. GW's no. been pretty smart about mm-hmm. separating them. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and they're starting to go back to sure. kind of combining, especially the Rhino and the Razorback, since they That's used to be the same. And, you know. but, um, so there were a couple of people that uh, pioneered the uh, idea of it, and it has taken more and more off, and people are feeling more comfortable doing it themselves. Uh, I mean, commission service painting paintings studios like us have gotten more and more requests. Now, what I've actually found out that usually the more magnetized armies you see are the magn- are the armies that are being painted by Commission Studios, since a lot of hobbyists are not still comfortable doing that themselves. You well, know, there's, that some, there's some mistakes that you can easily make yeah, there's a, that, that leads people a to be... Yeah. Yeah, there's so a, there's feel, a learning curve. Yeah, so they feel more comfortable you know, having a Commission Studio like us do that for them, and I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's
0: great do you guys do it for your personal projects when you do your own models do you like yes. yeah? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. yeah definitely me too um, so, um, w- so just to sort of go back for a second uh, I remember the first time I saw um, Blue Table did a hex blade is what they call it and mm-hmm. it's a storm What's the big tank called? Bane blade. So it's Same a Bane blade. blade kit, and now the Bane Blade, there's a deluxe Bane blade kit that has all the options. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw them do the, what they call the hex blade, which is where you could take all the options in the kit and magnetize it, it really blew me away yeah. with the potential for what could be done with this mm-hmm. and like how how you don't have to like your bits your bits can be utilized better, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just to sort of lay down the brass tacks, we do charge for this. Right. Like essentially we have to charge for the magnetization, and the higher level paint job you ask for, we charge to paint those extra bits now it's not a lot in a lot of cases it's only a couple dollars or five but over the course of your lifetime what you're going to find is it's probably worthwhile to spend the extra money to spend a little extra money per option uh, i'll use a carnifex kit for an example That's mm. a great example so let's say a carnifex kit which has a ridiculous number of options let's suppose that by the end of the day when we pally it all up, we're charging you something like an extra 50 bucks. Yeah. And you're thinking I could buy another kit for that. You could, but you'd still have the same problem. It's like it's a losing battle. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is you don't have to magnetize every option. You could Some options you may magnetize just once. Yeah. Like you don't need more than one heavy weapon maybe, or something like that, per squad. So you don't have to magnetize everything. You can pick and choose the options you want to magnetize. Um, so it is a cheaper solution if you are picky with what you're gonna do. But you know, essentially when clients come to us and they're like, I want everything. Well, that's gonna cost. Um, right. We will get you a good deal on that. Like labor discounts apply to that. But right. at the end of the day, yeah, it costs a little bit. Um, it has to. Um, because we've learned over time, like not only is there, there's extra painting, uh, but there's, there's maintaining the polarity and getting all mm-hmm. that straight. And God forbid the magnets be backwards. You have to dig them out. Finding the right magnets, sourcing the magnets, yeah. cost of the magnets, that yeah. kind of stuff.
1: It's actually could get, it can become overwhelming yeah. if it's a large amount. Let's say like the Warless Ept Army that I just finished. Right. Uh, it had like uh, eighty
2: uh, options nine, or
1: something. Nine crisis suits yeah. and about seventy weapons right. being magnetized throughout those uh, nine crisis suits. Now it might feel like there's a lot, but if you think about it, the you know, in uh, in essence, what the game, war gamer is getting, he's being able to use one kit and be have the option of customizing the roster in any way he wants. Right. So that's particularly where that's useful. Now, for commu- for let's say an artist that's doing it, that's what eighty. That's 160 magnets that have to be placed in correct correct polarity. Now, just to think about that. It's easy to, once you place the magnet, let's say you drill out the hole, you have to place the magnet, once you place it flush, it's almost, it's rarely easy to repli- replace that, mm-hmm. so that's something you have to, you know, that's once a high the magnet concentrated work, it Unless is you've a hassle. really
0: yeah, it's, it's a pain to dig those out,
1: yeah, and in some cases it's impossible, yeah, usually you are going to have to be ripping into the model, then right. you have to be rebuilding it, right. uh, with green stuff or some kind of epoxy, it mm-hmm. is a hassle, so... So let's get into
0: polarity for a second, uh, because that's probably, in my opinion, that's the biggest issue that people yeah. run into, is maintaining polarity. And by polarity, we mean that um, magnets are magnetized usually um, axially, which means top to bottom, or on the flat sides is another way to put it, yeah. uh, north to south. So essentially, you want to make sure that your options stay correctly magnetized in terms of polarity. So for example, if, um, if you're magnetizing, let's say, a guy's arm, and you have six options. Well, how do you make sure that all six of those options are the right polarity? So now what I kind of want to talk about now is just some simple tricks for that. Um, So what worked for you on the Tau project?
1: Uh, On the Tau project, um, well, actually, thankfully, the client did all the magnetization on there. Um, There were three models that had a different polarity, and we kind kind of played it specifically that that would be the leaders for each of those. Um, when doing, I did a high-volume magn, magnetized project, sure. and what I found was just the way you set the prep stage, you know, your workspace. Uh, like I had a lamp that was metal, so I would have all my magnets sitting there. I would not touch them, you know, I would not re-put really them to a different side, and I would just use that. Um, so
0: essentially, by using something like a metal strip. It allows you That's, to hold all the magnets
1: without individually touching right yeah, yeah. right um, now, having done that uh, you know you place let's say you have a let 's use uh the tau crisis suit for sure. for example, right you have board the magnet you place one magnet in, you know how they 're set up for your workstation now, when you 're getting ready to place the second magnet on the option that you 're trying to magnetize, what I found is. A great trick to make it stick completely flush, you know, not like like at a weird angle or something, you use a drill bit that's gonna have a larger surface area than the magnet itself. So when you're placing it, you're kind of pushing it in and it stops right where the bit is. It it works, you're gonna have an even flush every time. Now the trick is, when you're placing that magnet on that drill bit, you wanna check with what you're magnetizing it to. And I found that, if you keep in mind, um, you, wanna, you wanna place that magnet with an opposite polarity. Uh-huh. So let's say you have it sitting on the drill bit, right? You take the body, if you see, feel that resistance, that's the correct way to do it. Uh-huh. Because then that side is what's going inside the bit. Right. And once you take away the, the drill bit, you're gonna have that opposite polarity that is gonna get that attraction. Right. So just keep in mind, it's, seems like it's kind of a hassle, but it's you know you're kind of dry fitting right if you if you will making sure so just keep in mind you won't, once you have that uh, magnet sitting on the bit, you want to have that resistance to the magnet you're, that's already placed, and that's what you want to glue that's the side that you want to cover with glue and insert mm-hmm. you know that was a that's a really helpful now I know you use a great trick you have a mock up yeah that has That has already magnet placed there, so every time, let's say you do, uh, you have a repeat client saying, "Hey, can you guys magnetize some more options for me?" Well, that's a way to ensure that you're always going to hit the correct polarity. Right, you know that's a great trick that you have. The
0: general idea with it was, is um, like you said, we have repeat clients; they have magnetized armies. And new kits come out all the time. So I had to come up with a solution for how do I always know that the polarity is is facing the right direction. So essentially, what I do is I create like a a manicette, like a host magnet. And that host magnet always faces the same way, and the way I ensure that is, I literally took an action figure and removed all of his limbs, yeah. and then um, in, freak he's freakish. Yeah, <laughs> he's disgusting. Uh, it's, it's actually like Boromir. It's a Boromir. It's, it's, a, uh, it's from it's, Gim- the, it's, it's the writer from Rohan from Lord of the Rings. Oh, I can't yeah. think of his name because I was borrowing. Yeah, that's his name, Eramir. Oh, my goodness. So I, I just destroyed <laughs> Eomir. Um, so you have
1: a lot of those heads laying around. Somewhere. I do have a lot of those heads laying around. Mm, yeah, yeah. help Apparently he's got a conversion that. project in
0: mind. <laughs> um, so essentially you take him out and you put in one big magnet. It doesn't matter how big it is, yeah. as big as it can be. But in this case, that magnet, let's say it was facing north to south. Then essentially any magnet I ever do off of that magnet will always... If it magnetizes correctly to that arm, it's always... All of them are magnetized correctly. So I use that as a host to sort of check every magnet. And essentially, if you think about polarity as a line going north to south, then you can stack a bunch of magnets against that, and you can just literally drill out all your holes on all of your options and just line them up one by one. Mm -hmm. And as long as that line stays consistent, your polarity will always be consistent. Put another way, you're either a host or you're a limb. Mm -hmm. So in this case, is the host, and everything that is ever magnetized, like a gun, an arm, a hand, is always the limb. So essentially, as long as the limb uh, can magnetize the EMIR, I always know it's the right polarity. Yeah. So, so, so the beauty of that is, years from now, the client can come back to me and be like, Dude, they just released this new kit. Can you match the magnetization? Yes, we can. As a matter of fact, we can.
1: That is, in my opinion, that is an ingenious uh, way, but you still have to be very precise. You have to be thinking of what you're doing. Because yeah. you can't, this is not a process you can do, you know, just like anonymous. You can't, like you can, let's say with removing uh, mold lines or blocking colors in. You have to actually be, you have paying, to be paying attention, attention. Yeah. exactly to what you're it's doing. It's
0: very easy to get it backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And once you do get one backwards,
0: the problem is if you repeat that, you may get 50 options backwards yeah. before you've realized the
1: problem. Exactly, and I actually had that happen to yeah. me more than once. Yeah, so it's... It's annoying to ha- go through that learning curve, yeah. but usually sure. you, you will. So, Philip, what about you? Do you have any simple trips for maintaining clarity?
2: Um, Usually I just build one model, kind of like the way you do the host model. Uh-huh. But I'll make the actual, you know, let's use a Devastator, for example. I did these. Um, I magnetized all the weapon options for every Devastator. Um, and so the way I did that was through the Backpack. Um, Everything's glued to the backpack, and the backpack just slides down the back. Oh, that of the makes marine, sense. Yeah, yeah. So the arms aren't glued to anything other than the weapon, so it just pops off really easily. But so it kind of fits over on like a, like a harness. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the way I usually start though is I'll start with the actual torso, drill that, and get the magnets set up properly, mm-hmm. and then I do all the weapon options. Make sure they all align properly to that one torso. Once those are all done, once all the weapons are done, then I'll do the rest of the torso. So that way, I'm just make sure everything's done correctly, um, everything matches up. And a lot of times, what I'll do is the model will be built. I'll just leave the magnets sitting on the torso itself. Sure. So I always I know the direction that they need to be in. I'll just slide the you know, the farthest back magnet onto exactly. the model, like a line, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like yeah. a line, and just slowly work down that line till yeah, you know, you you're done. So yeah, that's my favorite. Um Also, tool wise, like I'm sure we would want to talk about this in a bit. Um, Sure. Just, so drill bits are one way of doing it. If you're doing large projects, just get a power drill. Yeah. I mean, it saves you so much time. Uh, Now,
0: people, now, to argue, and I agree, I use power drills, but people, a lot of hobbyists would argue the power drill is too strong that it mm-hmm. drills it out too quickly, it bores it out too quickly, that you should use a pen vise. The problem is when we do big projects like the Tau project, for example, where there was 80 magnets, mm-hmm. that we just did a Carnifex project with over 300 options, Yeah, a, a pen vise is not is not going to work. Yeah, your hand's crapping on <laughs> it. <creeping> right. <out. laughs> so um, what I have found, and you may or may not agree with me when you use a power drill, is you can lower the torque of the drill. Mm-hmm. You can switch to a lower setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, usually a low and a high speed. So you, you
2: can adjust the drill to, yeah. to taste. Plus
1: keep in mind the <laughs> amount of pressure you're applying to the trigger is also going to control right. the speed. Yeah. Also
2: the one I bought, I bought one at Target for 20 bucks. We mm-hmm. always use it at the studio yeah. and you can control the speed just by how hard you pull down the trigger. Yeah. So you're not really going to destroy the model unless you're just not paying attention. So as long as you line it up properly, you use the proper speed, you know, do it as comfortable as you are, but it will save you so much time, such a headache. Um, And it makes magnetizing actually more of a joy than it (laughs) is using that thinness. Now,
0: on the same trick, talking about power tools for a second, one of the things that, that for me, works a lot is that with a lot of, we'll use the Carnifex project as an example. As I recently said, we recently had a very large project, and there was over 300 options in it. Now, Carnifex arms are a bit of an exception to the rule because they're so big. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. so bulky and they're so heavy. So you have to essentially use the biggest magnet you can. On that project, we used one eight- 1⁄8-inch magnets, but we found, in retrospect, that the magnets weren't quite strong enough to hold the, the hold arm up. hold the
1: bit in a certain position. So essentially, it's we had to go way. back
0: and we had to add some 316-inch magnets to the end of those to make them strong enough to hold up. Now, yeah. when, with that size magnet, you essentially have to bore out the entire shoulder yeah. to make that really work. So uh, my point is, is like do a couple tests, use mm-hmm. the biggest magnet you can, but on that project in particular, we also use a Dremel tool, which is a rotary tool,
3: yeah.
0: um, to, to basically flatten the, the shoulder joint. Because normally GW kits go together, not only GW kits, lots of kits go together with what they call a ball and socket joint. Yep. And the idea is that it gives you 360 rotation so you can position the arm. Now with magnetization, magnets are, of course, flat. So you lose that, that option. And essentially you want the magnet to be flush. Which means you also want the arm to be flush with that. You essentially you want it to make it look like the ball is in the socket.
1: Yeah, you got to cut away that ball. You joint. have to cut away you the gotta ball to let play out the uh, uh, surface areas where you're going to be gluing the magnets right. to, and then usually, always, almost always, that involves with going back and retouching it and hiding that. In fact yeah. with putties, so. right? So
0: essentially, like uh, in, in, you know, in those cases when you're doing a ball and socket joint, a rotary tool will help you to smooth out those edges quickly. Yeah. You can clip it with like a hobby knife or clippers, but you're going to get cramped up. It's going to take time, and the Dremel's just fast. Yeah. Like once you get used to it, if you get like a, a low grit bit, you know, you can just you can whiz through them really quickly. Because uh, plastic is not high tensile strength, like yeah, you can yeah. just really, you can really get. Well, into can
1: it. you do, do that with metals as well, with computers and such? So sure. Regarding the hobby, um, Dremel is a great tool. Yeah, a great tool. Uh, I would suggest you go with a cordless. Uh, right now, we're using mm-hmm. actually a you know a bigger your regular drill, you know, an eight uh, DC uh, drill. Um, it is cumbersome. So when yeah, if you notice thi- that spe- <laughs> specifically, you know, if you're going to be doing a lot of this, I would definitely suggest you invest. In a smaller handheld cordless unit that you 're going to be using, either like a cordless now with, uh, drama with and such,
0: I use one of those, I and mean, yeah. in fact, I have a big one, but I also I also bought a small one for exactly that purpose yeah. because the weight on the big one was so heavy that over
1: time it makes it hard to be precise really when you 're doing yeah. that because your arm gets fatigued, yeah, and you definitely do want to be precise when you 're making these uh, piles for the magnet.
0: now those drills they are a, they are a larger than you probably want to spend out of pocket expense, like yeah. my drill, my small drill. I got mine used, but yeah. new with a battery pack and stuff probably costs about 80 dollars. Yeah,
1: you're going up into hundreds.
0: Exactly, gross, but, but this it, one-time expense will be useful. You can use it around your it's house. It's an investment. It's an investment. Yeah, um, it's it's you're not going to just use it for hobby. Yeah. You're going to use it for other crap
2: too. So, um, so, I don't know. Were you guys ready? I want to bring up another thing. Uh, sure. Some of you guys, as you're experimenting with magnetizing. You may come across certain things like, um, Jonathan actually yesterday was magnetizing his dreadnought. Oh, good. Um, and a lot of these kits, uh, sometimes aren't solid plastic, so you drill through, you hit a you go right through, there's a huge open space, you don't really have anything to back the magnet to. Good point. Um, so, what I did for, uh, for John was, I actually took a thin piece of plastic card, um, Plastrug, they have different, uh, Evergreen makes it, it's just a thin piece of plastic, basically. And just cut out basically a rough square and stuck the, super glued the magnet to one side of it, stuck it in the hole, that way the magnet doesn't fall through, it's not holding on by just the thin edge of the plastic, mm-hmm. it has something to actually hold the body to. You brace uh-huh. yeah. yeah, so you brace it, and then I glued the plastic card to to the plastic dreadnought. And so it's got a lot of strength there, it's going to hold, and so now he's got an easy way to magnetize everything it's going to be flush. it's going to look good and you're not mag- your magnets aren't falling into this body of whatever so essentially you're
0: in out. that case and i know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. here because with the, with the blood angels dreadnoughts um one of the the magna grapple for example that goes on top essentially you have to think ahead with some options yeah. because if you don't think ahead if you don't think about how how i'm going to do this you end up like you said drilling into a cavity with nothing to support the magnet right and then you're grasping at straws trying to get the sides of the magnet Mm -hmm. to bond to the sides of where you drilled out which is never very strong so think ahead think about like before you assemble the model completely consider where the magnet's going to go how it needs to be applied and when you need to apply because you may end up putting the magnet on before you glue the
1: model together that's i'd say you definitely want to do that right you know with magnets this is a planning uh thing that you have to plan ahead right Uh, you definitely want to do these before you the model is assembled this is almost true on anything that you're thinking of magnetizing vehicles characters whatever now on some models you can get away with you know doing it like assembling an arm like space marines but with vehicles always do this before you're uh, before you're assembling this stuff yeah,
0: I would agree. And in fact, with like, for example, we we'll use uh, I'll use the Razorback as a good example of yeah. this. Um, if you're magnetizing, um, let's say a Razorback Rhino Hatch to a vehicle, you really the gap there is so big, it, it's hard to find a magnet of appropriate size that's price efficient. Yeah. Um, what you can do is get a very very thin sheet of metal, put that down in there as you build it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like uh, like um, a wedge is the wrong word, but like. Um, Uh, to hold I don't know a splint it's like a splint and you put that down in there and then that way the magnet and we'll get into this a little bit later on but essentially the magnet will always stick to metal Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what they do Um, So in that case, you don't even need a magnet. You just need something thin and metallic to grab onto.
1: Are you talking about placing, uh, like, the Razorback hatch or the Rhino hatch?
0: Yeah. So if you can imagine, uh, if you imagine looking at, let's say, a Rhino. Yeah. So when you take off the Rhino hatch, the place that the Razorback hatch would normally be, that hatch is, like, two inches long and three inches deep or something like that. So essentially, no magnet would fit that gap. And what most people do as a solution to that is they don't magnetize it. They right. just simply set the hatch on there, yeah. which is a perfectly reasonable solution. Yeah. But it can get knocked off, fall off in game, et etc. et cetera. So if you're looking for a solution to that, a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to talk about this one service out there that sells very thin metal plates. And you can use those in place of magnets on projects like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the tricks that I use when I do vehicles a lot, is that I don't magnetize to magnets, I magnetize to steel, yeah. which is useful in some ways. So... Um, All right, well, let's talk about um, are magnets always the solution? Like a lot of clients come to us and they want to magnetize. And sometimes I feel like it's not necessary. I'll use dreadnoughts as a good example here. Dreadnoughts have the equivalent of a ball and socket joint. It's not really a ball and socket joint because it's a peg. peg. It's a peg joint. I don't feel like you need to magnetize that. I think you can just stick it on. But a lot of clients are like, no, no, I want the magnet. And I've, I've, I've heard enough opinions about it that I know the clients are picky. So, do you think you always need to magnetize, or sometimes is pinning enough?
1: I would say, depending on what kind of dreadnoughts, because you know there's almost like a bazillion options right now. Um, my personal opinion would be I would do magnets okay. because that not every uh, peg is gonna uh, is gonna be flush. I mean, there was um, like the if you think about the uh, old. Uh, GW metal dreadnoughts, mm-hmm. they have a different size peg than the new plastics would. Let's say you have those. That's you true. You want them to be able to swap because the weapons options. So, in my opinion, it's, it's not pretty that irregular regular though, people that people would
0: do that. Like, there's not enough of those. I've, old seen Peter, that. I've seen that. I've, yeah, but I don't think it's a product, commonality. So. I don't think it's like, mm-hmm. I very rarely have clients that are like, can you magnetize my old 1980s Peter dreadnought? Like, to right. My, <laughs> yeah. Maybe
1: I just got lucky with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I had the client. This was before white metal. Well, this gets into a, another point though. With pewter models, pewter's heavy. Yeah, you,
0: magnetizing pewter is a, is a bitch. It's not always even an yeah. option. Like, right. so frankly, well,
1: actually, I'm, ta- I'm thinking more in lines of pewter body and plastic plastic arms that's instead of a, yeah. you know a pewter arm to a plastic sure. head, right? not. Um, I mean, yeah, you don't always mag- try to get that, but I, yeah, that'll be. Um, funny to do. Like,
0: for example, on the Circle Oros, Oros project we have right now for this one privateer press client, he's got the big world wrath, world, w- walled, that doesn't matter,
1: it's a big golem.
0: Yeah. Um, it's huge, or it's, it's, technically it's gargantuan, um, but it's got these giant arms, and for storage purposes, he wants the arms magnetized. Not because it's not, there's an option in game, just simply to store. Yeah. But those arms are a combination of white metal and resin, so they're heavy. Uh, yeah. Now, the body's resin, so drilling down into the body's not hard. But the arms themselves are a combination of metals and that sort of shit. Uh, so magnetizing is a real challenge. It's like, you need big magnets for that thing. Yeah. So. Um,
1: larger models like the... Um, I'll, I'm going to use knights as reference. We did uh, the studio I worked previously. Uh, any time we get a knight, they want to magnetize. Now, those things... Uh, they're kind of fun, and I, actually, let's touch base on that a little bit later on. Sure, sure. Spi- on uh, what models would be good to magnetize in our combinations. But, um, yeah, so. You literally yeah, got, I, you I really can't got can't remember the bag- last. Size, I can't
0: remember so. the last night kit we had that wasn't fully magnetized. I mean, in it, fact, it cries to be yeah. magnetized. Mm-hmm. You have to. I'm hoping that someone doesn't just so I'll have the extra bits one day. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I want to do is I want to take some of those big bits and put them like an orc tank, like they grabbed them from uh, from a vehicle or something. That could be, like,
1: that'd be good, yeah. a great conversion. Man. I agree. So, um,
0: you don't have to magnetize it. You could let me have the bits. Yeah. Like, that'd, that'd be okay. Uh, Philip, what about you? Do you feel like magnetization is the cure-all for everything?
2: It solves a lot of issues, but the biggest issues that can come with magnets is sometimes they just aren't small enough. Yeah. So, there are occasions when uh, Stormcast Project is a good example. Um, we managed to do it, work it okay, but uh, he wanted the heads of the maces uh, magnetized. Right. So, he had a Star Soul Mace, and I think I like had a Lightning Hammer. Right um, now, there's just enough space to use like the tiniest magnet on there. But you have to drill that out exactly. Exactly. If yeah. there's any mess up, you've ruined it. Um, yeah. And it's not a very strong hold. I mean, I've, I was looking at it last night. Like they're on there pretty good, but
1: they're sloping. It, it Some can of slope sl- a little they're bit. They're sloping, especially and, on the mace.
2: Yeah, and it's hard to. I mean, in those situations, it may have just been better to drill it and just pin it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would keep it a little bit. It, you can use a thinner wire. You don't have to. You're not
0: now, in that case, that's an unusual one because on the last time we did this project, mm-hmm. we magnetized the whole arm. Right. But on this one, the, the client specifically requested the starter box model. Mm-hmm. So because of that, the poses are such that we couldn't swap the arms. Yeah. Correct. So we right. had to find another viable option, which was the head of the weapon. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that head is bulky. Yeah. It's a big head. And essentially, the shaft of the weapon is not big enough to support... It yeah. is. The, the smallest sp- magnet. Right. That. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Is it essentially like... It's not always enough surface area for the magnet to be strong enough, so um, so it's not. I, I think it's not always the right
1: solution, and also you have you have to really think about you know can you actually do it. Let's say on the uh, stone cast that Philip did, um, there are a couple of places where you, you know, where you would think naturally you know okay I'm going to cut this off. Actually, where the pla- where the uh, uh, kit comes, where those options do come, you know which one are you actually gluing on. Um, you gotta really think about where you're gonna make that cut, where you're gonna put mm-hmm. that hole, because there. Let's say on that particular kid, there, there were two ways of doing it. There's the easier way, you know, where you can actually make the cut, and there's the more tricky way where you're actually gonna have to go a little bit more inside the weapon head that to create the surface area to be a little mm-hmm. bit larger, but still that's quite a precise...
2: So work you're risking damaging the time.
1: You're, you're taking more risk and also on those very fine uh, pieces it's really hard to keep the magnet flush mm-hmm. and, and without doing an angle because you mm-hmm. can't really force the magnet, as you're inserting the magnet you can't really apply pressure to get it flush, so you're kind of getting this angle which is going to magnetize the bit? There's danger of magnetizing the bit at an angle. Right. So they're very fibly That's just a pain to do. Yeah,
0: I mean, and really, with when you talk about flushness, like essentially, if you drill in straight and the magnet goes in straight, that's great. But there's a lot of opp- times where it's not opportunity. Exactly. It's like exactly. even if that's you're off by about. a teeniest fraction an angle
1: of an angle, right. the bits are magnetizing. Yeah. Oh, and And example. I would say
0: that we we have magnetized enough projects that at this point we are the closest thing to professional magnetizers there is, but even still, you know like there's just there 's just room for human error there yeah. just is um, so it, you know again, magnetization generally is great, but not it 's not always the perfect solution and essentially, you have to sort of pick and choose what is the best solution for storage for optimization, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk about like different types of magnets out there. There's a lot of different ones out there. There's a lot of different strengths of magnets out there. A lot of confusing vernacular out there between rare earth, neo ceramic, how it's made, blah, 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 blah. It's confusing. Um, and in fact, in the past, as we were kind of talking about at the start of the show, we generally have, have gleaned from what other people have done and sort of borrowed from their techniques but we actually dug down a little bit for this show to get a little bit more information so that we could speak with some authority about why these choices were made. And we found yeah. that the choices were smart, mm-hmm. but I wanted to know why. So, mm-hmm. for example, right. um, as an example, people talk about rare earth magnets all the time. I didn't know what rare earth was. What the term actually meant? What it actually meant, yeah, yeah. So, let's, deal, let's dig into that for a second. So, first off, what is rare earth? When they talk about rare earth magnets, um, in our research, we found that it was a combination of
1: different minerals. Yeah. Um, so, in essence, your, your magnet is an alloy. It's yeah. a combination of different magnets that, when combined, have be, uh, create these properties. And in this and that, case, it was like neominium, iron, and baron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that would be your regular rare earth magnet. So, it's not refer- So the rare earth, when I started, I thought it was maybe a brandy name. Yeah. It's not. It's referring to a specific alloy that is being used right. for that magnet.
0: Right. Right. Um, now that magnet is different than let's say a ceramic magnet mm-hmm. Because the, it's a much stronger magnet yeah, When rare. you compare a rare earth magnet Which is also by the way The term is, is essentially The same term as neomidium yeah. Anytime you hear neomidium It is a rare earth magnet Because neomidium is a rare earth yeah. Now neomidium, ma- rare earth magnets Are actually a combination of several alloys One of which is neomidium But the terms are, are essentially used The brandum. The brand, the the brand, brand, brand so yeah, Separated yeah. to but ceramic magnets, those are like what you find on your fridge. They're like yeah, the right. alphabet letters or the things that you get from yards—not yard sales, but like packs at the
1: supermarket.
2: Yeah, Michael sells them. Like, yeah. they're the wrong. They're they're <laughs> they're not strong.
1: Having have said that um, actually. The their let's their application—it's more you know like weaker weaker magnets, like for the fridge. But also, they're more employed uh, in commercial applications. Sure. Like, let's say that your MRI. Right. That uses ceramic magnet, yeah. just a large one. You know your, uh, I would imagine your heavy machinery magnet. You know, like say the junkyard. That's going to be ceramic magnet. Yeah, not going to be a re- new medium rare earth magnet. Right. So that's where their application is. So that's why you're actually hearing more rare earth magnet in the hobby because that's where their most application is. Right. Uh,
0: now um, there, there are some downers. There's some trade-off with rare earth. One of the trade-offs is it's 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 fairly brittle. Yeah. Um, like, essentially, if you've ever had a strong magnet and you've allowed them to find each other, if you've allowed them to, like, bang into each other, you may not be surprised to find that sometimes they crack, they yeah.
1: break. That's true.
0: Uh, And that you may have, if you looked inside of the magnet, seen that they're, the magnets are actually coated um, with a, a layer of coating uh, to help protect them, to make them stronger. Yeah. Normally, on most rare earth magnets, what we found is that it's a combination of... Um, was it nickel copper and nickel yeah so it's a sandwich is what they call a sandwich layer so it's Mm -hmm. it's dipped in nickel then they get a copper layer on top of that and then you get another layer of nickel which is why the magnet looks shiny and strong Mm -hmm. um but the nickel is actually just a a, a plating essentially it's it's Mm -hmm. like they dipped it it in for protection just to
1: protect the actual inner core that's
0: but that being said the magnets are quite strong so don't you know don't bang them around don't allow them smash into each other or essentially you're going to be wasting your magnets um uh now, that's not the only coating they've ever done. They also do other coatings. For example, top coats may include silver or gold, copper, bronze, that kind of stuff. But generally, nickel-plated is basically the way it works.
1: Now, yeah, for the hobbyist, that's what you're going to be using uh, most of the time.
0: There's also the vernacular of the terminology. There's like N52, N38s, mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. Uh, what we found in our research is that um, N is obviously neuminium, yeah. But the higher the number, the stronger the magnet. So the highest that, I, that we could find was 52. So essentially, that's what you want, if you want strong
2: magnets. Strong and durable, too, because yeah. they were talking about heat, how heat affects uh, magnets or how they can depolarize based on being next to other magnets. Neomidian magnets do not have this issue. Uh, I guess basically it's... The way well, they have, more, they have a more—they have a higher tolerance level. High, yeah. like,
1: for that. the
0: tolerance, is, as we learned, it was it was over um, like uh, 170 bo- degrees, 170 degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah, it's boiling. Yeah. You, it's ha- sensual, you would have yeah. to boil the magnet for it to lose polarity. No, um, why would you want to do that? Right. No, but you know, yeah. I'm not for sure because if you were trying to dig out a magnet, <laughs> I'm not sure boiling water would do it. I don't, think I, don't so. I don't know. I don't
1: know. I don't think that would be any uh, kind
0: of viable. But, um, I, I suppose on that topic, though, um, to. If you do have magnets that you've put in and they're wrong, there are a couple things you may be able to try to get them out aside from digging them. One thing is that there's a commercial product called DeBonder on the market. Mm -hmm. DeBonder is essentially a glue solvent. It will dissolve the glue. Now, it's not perfect. Um, It essentially works like nail polish remover. It's a solvent. Um, So it will dissolve super glue. It won't dissolve plastic glue. As we covered last time on the show, plastic glue actually physically welds stuff together. Mm -hmm. Why you'd be gluing your magnets in with plastic glue, I have no idea. It wouldn't <laughs> work anyway. <laughs> so you can use DeBonder. You could, in theory, drop your model down into a vat of uh, DeBonder, which would be really expensive or something like that. But then you'd be dissolving your models, too, because acrylic, nail, acrylic removers essentially dissolve plastics. Yeah. So um, what I would recommend you do is use, like, a DeBonder or an, an acrylic remover in very small doses to sort of chip away at the glue, maybe kind of sponge it, loosen it up a little bit, and then try to bore it out, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's
1: still going to be tricky, in my opinion, because your main, oh, it's not main, main glue is going to be at the back of the magnet, not to the sides of the magnet. Sure. Because when you're drilling out... You know, you're trying, you're, you're probably going to match the diameter of the magnet with a drill bit you're using. Mm-hmm. So it's actually the glue that's behind it. Now, I'm not sure how it would work. You know, it has to kind of really seep through that to get that glue at the back Yeah. Level. The only thing so, I've seen to work
0: is that if you drill in it, because you can't drill the magnet, unfortunately. Yeah. It's too strong. But if you drill beside the magnet, you can essentially weaken it enough to pry it out. Yeah. But it only works on big stuff. You can't do it on, let's say, a Space Marine arm. Yeah, that's you know, going to be a pain. That's it's it's be too pain. fragile. It's too so small. pay
1: attention to what you're magnetizing. Yeah, get it, get it right the first time. Get it right,
0: yeah. Um, so look for a stronger grade. N52 is your best. neodymium rare earth, that's what you're looking for. But the other ends are fine too, N38, N42, that sort of stuff. They're all rare earth. So you're looking for rare earth, axially, axially magnetized, not diametrically magnetized. And that's top to bottom. The first time you get a diametrically magnetized model you or magnet, you will, you will know the problem. <laughs> um,
1: Actually, you got a batch. You know, I did one, get a batch, one yes. time.
0: Now, I've been thinking recently, though, that there may be some application for those magnets, like on some products. Like, for example, the Townar model I'm working on right now, I, I almost kind of wish I had a diametrically magnetized magnet because essentially the piece that I'm magnetizing is rounded, yeah. So in that case, it might work.
1: Actually, another another good place for that might be the Storm Raven front weapon loadout. That's sitting right in the never F- got cockpit that. because it has the diameter. Yeah. You know, um, I hadn't considered that. That's have point. you ever? Uh, and this is you guys, get back to us. You know, with your feedback, ask questions. Um, this is one question I'm going to throw out there. You know, would love to read your response. Have any of you ever used uh, spherical magnets? Mm-hmm. That application at one you. time.
0: How did that go? It was the perfect solution for that problem. Mm-hmm. And I. what happened is I bought a bunch of magnets from a vendor, and he sent me a couple sphere magnets, kind of like a grab bag. Okay. It's just kind of like a, a, a product just in case. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was I magnetized. I have, I have no idea anymore. Mm-hmm. But essentially spherical magnets, ball magnets, um, they are magnetized axially, so you have a north and south polarity on them. Um, so you can use them like another type of magnet. And in that case, and I wish I could remember the project, but I remember I was like, oh, my God, I have one of these and I can make this work. Um, so I, have, I, haven't, I haven't done it since, right. but I do think there is some value in it. But essentially you can't bore out – it's hard to bore out a round hole. So you'd have to essentially there have are, a hole already there. There
2: are disc magnets that are concave in the center, so That's that you true. can they'll set inside like That's a good ball point. and socket. So yeah. I haven't tried that. I was looking at that earlier when we were researching some of the different types
1: of magnets for this.
0: That might be a good solution for a lot of these ball and socket magnets we mm-hmm. use. Like for example, the FEXs. Like that might be. Now I don't know if it's a cost efficient solution. I'm not for sure. I don't know cost. price. Yeah.
1: My point. It does sound like it could be great, but. Uh, one thing that's holding, let's say, me back is, well, is it going to hold a bit in that place, or is it just going to slow? Is it
2: strong, mm-hmm. kind of?
1: Like, because you're thinking, when you think of it, it has only one connecting point yeah. That's the most outside uh, point of the magnet. So I'm not sure. Guess uh, that's something we want to maybe test out. Mm-hmm. But um, it does. It does sound like it's a great solution to some of the uh, aspects. But you know, and what are you actually going to be magnetizing it to? Sure. That's another thing. You're probably not going to be another magnet. You're probably going to have to create uh, the, you know, the negative so- socket for maybe metal, kind of bend it out. So, you know, just think about it. Now, if you're looking for a personalized magnet solution, we're going to talk about
0: the vendors a little bit that we researched. And um, the first one, Marketplace Pulse, and actually a couple of these different guys, they actually will build you custom models to order, not models, magnets to order. So, for example, Marketplace Pulse, you can actually give them dimensions of the magnet you're looking for, and they will essentially build your magnet. Yeah. So yeah. let's say you're magnetizing uh, a, 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 a Titan, yeah. and you can't find the magnet you want on the commercial market. You could contact them. And I don't know what their price point would be, but they would, in theory, build you That's a magnet. That's awesome. Yeah. i heard of that. Um, another person that does that is Super Magnet Man, which you can find a link to in the show notes, supermagnetman, uh, dot supermagnetman.net. Um, who is basically, he's kind of a magnet guru, is the best way to put him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he has a, a site linked to from his YouTube site, I think, uh, or Super Magnet Man is his actual site, where you can buy magnets directly, and he also builds magnets to order, or the site does at least. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't have to just use the common sizes out there. You can essentially buy magnets to, to, to scope, mm-hmm. to scope of the project. Um, but there's a lot of good vendors out there. I know you guys have had some success with the first one, Marketplace Pulse.
2: Um, LG Magnets is actually the place I recommend. Okay. Um, now, is this that, the one on Etsy? There is had? an Etsy store. Yeah. It's the cheapest place I've ever found magnets at. Um, I mean, some, well, some of them are way low. So,
0: so we'll put so a link in the show yeah. notes to them for sure. Yeah.
2: That's where I get all my magnets from. Several hundred of them for like $10. That's so great. Like, it's crazy amount. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and essentially, when you're doing big projects, you want to have a, def- a bunch of different sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, to add to that, I would say you actually want to have a bunch of different drill bits too because you want to bore. Up to your size is yeah, yeah. not the other way around. Like if you have a quarter inch magnet, which is massive, yeah. you don't want to start with a quarter inch drill bit. Right. You want to start with like a five sixty four and drill up. But actually, uh, what
1: I found is uh, for me, I found that it's a problem to match the drills mm-hmm. to the magnets that's available to me. Okay. It's a, but then again, I'm used to more of a metric, you know. Company. Yeah, they do sell That's a lot a of those companies thing. do them in millimeters. Yeah, which yeah. I can't wrap my mind around. I can't wrap my mind around the magnets are being sold here are let's say in imperial. Right. But the drill bit, the drill bits themselves are in uh, well, metric. you can get the, you know? you can get the drill so,
0: bits in imperial too. No, yeah, I know, I, I know. Mean.
1: But uh, I always found the problem with like the larger diameter yeah. ones. That's one thing. There's a certain limit where the drill bit I can find. But the magnet go beyond that. And yeah. some of the applications, let's say with the Nike one, a Nike, you want to kind of big one. So yeah. I don't know, there's a little kind of feebly, little just um, to keep in mind. What are
0: some other vendors out there? Um, um, some of these vendors are not as well priced, but they're also they're reliable. For example, um, Primal Horizon, they make, um, essentially, they make wargaming magnets. Now, I'm not convinced through our experimentation the last couple months that they're not just selling overpriced rare earth magnets. Yeah, Because uh, the price point for them is really high compared to the volume you get. Yeah. And that's something that you guys sort of made me aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, there are, but, there, but when you go outside of reliable vendors, you do have to take a risk as to whether or not the magnets are any good. For example, we can't uh, – I have bought magnets from some of these guys. Like I've bought magnets from Magnets for Less before, mm-hmm. and I'll put a link to them. And I found their magnets to be good but essentially you want to read the fine print read, read the, the, the grade of the magnet read how it's magnetized in terms of axially or diamet- diametrically so do your research on these sites yeah.
1: what I found actually is I will support that theory that a lot of these guys what they actually do is they buy in bulk from the manufacturer and usually that's going to be somewhere in China mm-hmm. and then they just rebrand, repackage and that's where they're making their profit from. that makes sense so, um,
0: Well, um, another vendor on here, K&J Magne- Magnetics, that's where we got a lot of the information out. We have, Even if you don't buy magnets from these guys, a lot of them have user guides.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And they'll essentially explain a lot of the concepts we've talked about today. So you can do research directly on their sites, like uh, Magnets for Less, K&J Magnetics. They all have sort of easy-to-follow guides as to yeah. what is what. So when you have questions, at the very least, you can reference them. So. Um, do you have a Val do you have a favorite vendor or using the same vendors that um,
1: uh, actually yeah, Phillip, uh yeah. once Philip uh, told me about this that's the guy I'm ordering from nice very cool gonna promote him
0: very good um, okay well if you have a favorite vendor out there that you like to use make us aware of them send us a comment uh, or uh, leave us a review uh, or email us at info at white metal, oh no let's, let's do the war council one. war council at white metal <laughs> um, and just reach out to us let us know what vendors you like we'll add those to our list as well Um, But essentially, um, buying in bulk is great as long as you test the strength of the magnet first. Mm -hmm. So buy a small pack, make sure it's what you want, then buy bulk. But, okay. Well, I think we've just about covered every part of magnets we can, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll jump right back in with our one-minute rant for Gush, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniature's hobby? Would you like to advertise to, like, at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website. And we're at, like, 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. $20 a month we'll promote you and your products on the show for $10 more you can have an entire 30 second commercial like this one only you know better and more relevant and stuff email us at info for more information and until you do get your manies where your mouth is hey guys welcome back we're going to jump into our one minute rant or gush. Um, I think we've all got gushes tonight, so a lot of positive energy kicking around. So, I'm going to start things off. Um, so, I'm going to tell you guys about a little company called Wargame Accessories. And this seemed appropriate to the podcast because I've been using them for years for magnetization. Now, what Wargame Accessories does basically is they don't sell magnets. Really, what they sell are steel sheet trays. And the trays are small, they essentially are small enough to fit into bases, fit beneath bases. He has a bunch of different sizes on there. He sells other things, too. He sells these things called wounding caps, which are similar to wounding rings. And he's got some different stuff on his site. But really what he's known for are these, these magnet sheets. Now, he doesn't do a very good job advertising, so the only way to really find out about him is through the grapevine. I found out about him through uh, essentially asking around... And a person had heard about a person who talked to this guy. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. And eventually I found his site. And he does really nothing to advertise the site. You won't find it. It's not SEO optimized. It is buried. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm providing a direct link today. And the reason I, I mention this is because his product is so cheap. And what you can get out of it is so great that it's just it's phenomenal. I primarily use these sheets for a couple different things. One is magnetizing trays. was what I, I used to use them for in a big way. Because he would size them out in millimeters, so you can okay. easily guesstimate or know exactly what size you needed for any model to magnetize to a sheet.
1: This more for like the Warhammer regiment. It is. That's it's more it's for more.
0: fantasy battles, yeah. but also that's like great. historical players, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Bolt action, yeah, those kind of guys, um, people that use formations. Uh, but in addition to that, when you started mag- when I start magnetizing vehicles or things with flat panels, yeah. I love to use them. Um, so, for example, on like we used- we talked about dreadnoughts earlier. When I do um, uh, Dreadnoughts, a lot of times I'll put a flat panel instead of a magnet down. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, the Night Titan, when I magnetize the thermal cannon, it has two different ammo feeds. And essentially, instead of putting down magnets, I put down one metal plate. And then in the ammo feeds, I put down actual magnets. Mm -hmm. So essentially the polarity doesn't matter in that case because it always magnetizes to Mm -hmm. the metal. But I still match the polarity just in case something changes down the road. But it saves me a little bit of time. And uh, as opposed to just having a magnetized hole where, where you still have to kind of hide, in this case it just looks like a, a metal plate or panel, which is great because you can paint that up to look like any other part of the model. Uh, so I'm going to provide a link. Check him out. Uh, give him some business. He has a minimum order, but it's only like $15. Bucks. It's not hard really? to get yeah. it. It was pretty small. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's great, and I, I highly recommend him. So
1: actually, I'm going to build on that. Um, what we uh, Philip and I wanted to rant about was some of the projects that's right now, being Well, gosh, yeah, we're not angry at you clients. Oh, right. yeah. we're, <laughs> happy. No, no, we're happy. We're no, happy with no, 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 no. Please uh, send us business. Right right <laughs> um, uh, there's some project that we're going to we're developing the con- we're conceptualizing at sure. this point, and we're definitely going to be looking at one of them for the one of them uh, add that guy because we do have a fantasy style uh, army coming up. It's yeah. going to be the Lizardman or Seraphim um, and we're going to have the trays and movement trays and we're going to have to yeah. have those magnetized mm-hmm. in there so we're definitely going to check him out for that um, Phil you want to jump in and kind of highlight uh, what I'm talking yeah. about here <laughs> yeah.
2: so um, so basically for a gush it's not really a product we just want to one of the things that uh, we've all been discussing as a studio is uh, our interest in kind of getting into the display board realm. And so uh, this next month, um, me and Val uh, are very excited to actually get the chance to work on two display boards. Uh, one for a Deathcore Corps Cree army and the other for a Lizardman Seraphim army. Um, and so we're, we're basically designing boards that match a specific theme. No, well, we've, we've dabbled in the past in this. It's not
0: like this is our first foray. True. We've no. done a few, right. but these are a higher level board. Correct. They're they're yeah. essentially more integrated. They match the project exactly. Mm-hmm. They're designed around the parameters of the project. Like for example, if there's six tanks, we design the board to match those exact models. Correct. So every model has a place. Every model mm-hmm. has a home. Exactly. Um, and it all fits. It's all it's all integrated. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But what we were personally excited is. About about this is it's going to be custom. Everything is going to be custom. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're just taking the GW, uh, you know, the segment board and slapping some terrain, on right. the terrain. We're talking about actually scratch building. Mm-hmm. We're talking about doing these, you know, your kind of higher-end modeling. Think of like the what. What it was doing for The Lord of the Rings for their cinematics with miniatures, they were, this is closer to what we're doing. It's so almost like planning, a display. It's a display kind yeah. of. We're going into more of a diorama feel. We're right. trying to create. We're conceptualizing. What is the theme going to be? How is this theme going to translate uh, and create a certain mo- visual mood? So it's more of a you know kind of yeah, kind of a cinematic uh, modeling. I mean, and thing. even
0: on a bigger token, like when people buy a big army and they spend a lot of money on yeah. it then the, what they do is they turn around and put it in a case.
1: It's so a it shame sets to in a do case. that. Yeah. It's a shame to do so that. So essentially
0: a display board is designed to not only allow you a place to display your models properly mm-hmm. and with affection, but when you go to tournaments, GTs, that kind of thing, it allows you to thematically display your board, your yeah. army. So that a lot of these competitions now, and I'm sure we'll see this at Nova, they give you points for stuff like theme, presentation, presentation, presentation display. Yeah. And this is
1: exactly what we're going after here. Yeah. Um, so... You want to talk about the Seraphon, Lou? Uh, what, yeah. What the idea is? We want
2: to go? Okay, so the client, I mean, he wants something that's set up in sort of a jungle theme. Obviously, they're well,
0: the seraphon or jungle army, yeah. And then on yeah. top of that, they have a kind of an Aztec slash Maya,
2: right. Mayan feel, yeah. feel,
0: feel to them, right? So, so he's
2: yeah. going for the, like the Mayan temple uh, steps, uh, sland mage at the top of the temple type yeah. thing, uh, units of warriors and things that are integrated into the steps of the temple, mm-hmm. all leading down to the ground where you've got this kind of overgrown city. Right. So, uh, the magnet trays, like we're talking about war games, accessories and all that, like we're going to be able to just slide those into sockets, make them seamlessly mm-hmm.
1: blend into the environment. Exactly. So, in essence, what we're creating is not only display that okay, this model is here, this model is here. What we're going to do is we want to get some kind of narrative going mm-hmm. in both of those. So, let's say that not just we're not just going to slap something, you know, kind of mine Aztec. Uh, pyramid in there we want to get an idea of you know that there's a scene there's a uh, there's some kind of action going on like let's say the mm-hmm. stagon is going to be coming out of an environment the slime mage priest is going to be doing this maybe a ritual we want to reflect that right so it's more of a cinematic display that we're going for yeah exactly um, we've got a couple of really funny th- ideas that we came <laughs> up with like i personally want to uh, do a throwback to Indiana Jones there oh I, wa- yeah. I want to have this um, the temple, of if we all remember this classic scene with a huge boulder rock kind uh-huh. of thing I want to incorporate that we're <laughs> thinking of uh, referencing, we're not going to do a Indiana Jones habit, sure, sure. but we're thinking of, you know <clears throat> We're like doing an report, homage, like yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like I want to have a couple of guys that are squished, you know, by this giant bullet <laughs> already. So like um, someone tried to raid their temple yeah then, Well, like, here's like, what the result. So yeah. let's say Indiana Indy was successful in avoiding that that trap, but think of it, all these, you know, all these uh, raiders that were not, you know. So I would definitely want to reference that. Um, we Philip and I were spent like. A couple of hours I want to say, in uh, mapping it out not mapping it out finding let's say what are we going to use for, uh, <laughs> for the actual builds like sure, right. we found a great uh, section in Hobby Lobby that says sells these um, kind of pre-made uh, plastic foilage yeah, you know like how we're going to use that so there's a lot of this uh, creative design process into that and cool. that's great now the creek is going to be the complete opposite it's going to be a little Less uh, intricate with the foliage and stuff. Gonna it's going to be, gonna be a more. Dead world. It's a dead world, so basically where the Krieg mm-hmm. are, so there's going to be this nuclear winter desolated city. So, so essentially,
0: for clients that do not follow every episode, what yeah. we're talking about here is that we have two projects coming up ne- next month a Death Corp from Krieg Army, which is a 40K themed army in a. They live on a Death World, which is a burned out world. Yeah. It was burned out from nuclear radiation and fallout. Essentially, yeah. it's a fallout yeah. world. Uh, and it was previously a hive world so it was a city that was just obliterated so that's a it's a dead world it's mm-hmm. essentially like any of the Terminator movies you've re-seen in the future that's, that's what, what we going for and then now. the the Seraphon board the Lizardman board is the complete opposite of that it's yeah, life so it's, it's vibrant it's yeah, exactly. rich warm temples big big jungle terrain
1: yeah.
0: um, so two very diametrically opposed projects mm-hmm. which give you two very cool creative outlets to sort of Stretch your your energies.
1: Yeah, um. like for the Seraphon we're going to be building these large bob-bob trees, and we have to figure out how to <laughs> going to be how we, the whole thing is going to be displayed. How, uh, it has to be transported. Yeah, um,
0: modularity is one of the essential things about these boards because you can yeah. build a cool board, but the question is, how do you get it to the? How do you get it? Transported. How do you travel with it? Yeah. yeah, so that's one of the challenges of a display. Anyone can build a board, stack it in the back of their car, and take it to a con, but what about these guys who are traveling? Like, they, yeah, they, right. they spend a lot of money on these cons, so we want to make sure that they can easily take their boards with them. Um, so that's part of our challenge, which it seems like you guys are up for. Yeah.
1: It's so. going to be fun. We're really excited about that. Very cool. All
0: right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll jump in with our outro, and we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop-quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commission painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? white metal games is looking for talented painters in the raleigh area to join our studio team you're paid by the job not by the hour so you can paint at your own pace send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you put your minis where your mouth is all right guys we are uh, back to our outro and we are out of here for the week uh next time on the podcast we will well in theory we'll be at nova so, we're going to be taking sound bites from Nova. We may try to do a live from Nova podcast, but I'm not for sure yet. It'll depend on the event, how loud it is, that kind of stuff, yeah. whether or not it's practical. Uh, more likely than not, we'll just be grabbing sound bites. Um, and essentially, the next episode, in some form or other, will be Nova related.
2: Definitely. Um,
0: and then after that, we've got a couple ideas for podcasts coming up. But we always are interested to hear what you guys think. So please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know um, how we're doing. Uh, it helps us with our standings in the, uh, in the fields when people search for podcasts that are hobby-related. In addition to that, um, let us know your requests. You can always leave us comments on our Facebook page about things you'd like to know about. Uh, if there's people you'd like us to interview at NOVA for example let us know and we'll flag them down and, and you know, ask them your questions be, that kind yeah, of stuff try to corner them to hopefully not to... in the bathroom hopefully yeah. a, in an <laughs> official capacity yeah. Um, but uh, yeah well, we'd, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I saw this movie a while ago where this guy tried. it's, it's a long story it was like a whole it was a whole thing uh, anyway uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to talk to the, the artists that you can't be there to talk to we'll try to talk to them directly uh, email us your questions at um, uh, war Council at white metal Um, And, yeah, we're really excited. So for next time, we'll be at Nova. Yeah. All right. Well, for this time, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm
2: Phil Corman with Brushwork Minis.
1: And I'm Valentin Malik from White Metal Games.
0: And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is.